How many is ready? Amen. Revelations. If you have your Bibles, stand with me all across this sanctuary. Turn me down just a little bit, gentlemen. Amen. Uh, what a privilege and an honor it is for us to get to come together. Uh, let me give a big shout out to all of our men. If you, matter, matter of fact, I mean, we had a great time like yesterday. If you missed it, guys, you missed out. Uh, we had a great time in fellowship and in the word. We begin to lift our hands and worship as mighty men of God. And I want to say a big thank you to all the men that came out. We're going to continue to do that because, I mean, those, a, a house is only as strong as its men. Amen. And so we want to continue to build our men. We talked about building like a man. Um, matter of fact, I've got some extra uh, a gift for all the men before you leave here. As you leave, I'll make sure and give that to you. And uh, it'll be a blessing to you. We talked about how the hammer is a sign of not only building but tearing down. And before God ever builds up, he always tears down and deals with the, st the structure first. Before we are going to grow, we've got to tear some things down in our lives so that, God, so that what God is going to build will last. Amen? So we are in the book of Revelations in our series. And uh, we're going to start. Uh, if you haven't been reading this book... I told you last week that there's a blessing when you read it and even just hear it. So read your Bible. I encourage you. If you didn't bring your Bible today, uh, I don't know, copy off the person next to you or check it out on the screen. Uh, turn it, pull it out. You've already got it. Let's turn to the book of Matthew, excuse me, Revelations chapter 2, verse, we'll pick up in verse 8. Today we're going to be talking about, last week was Ephesus. Today we're going to talk about the church of Smyrna. Everybody say Smyrna. Okay. All right. Verse 8, chapter 2. And the word of God reads, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write these things, says the first and the last, and he who was dead and came to life. Okay, Jesus is talking there. Jesus is writing this letter. He says, I know your works. I know the tribulations and the poverty. And then in quotations in, in my version, version, in the New King James Version, it says, but you are rich. I know your works. I know your tribulation. I know your poverty, but you are rich. Somebody say, I'm rich. Say it one more time. Say, I'm rich. See, sometimes we, we're ashamed to say we're rich. Somebody say, yeah, but that don't line up with my bank account. That's your problem. You're looking at your bank account instead of your God. You must learn how to look at your source. Your bank account's not your source. Your boss ain't your source. Your job ain't your source. Jesus is your source. Come on, you got to believe it. This is a faith-filled house. He said, you are rich, and I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not. What he's saying is, I know the fakes. I know the, the people that are just going through the motions. I got, I got a feeling there's some people like that in here too. They're everywhere. They're in every church. Watch this, verse 10. Do not fear. This is what Jesus says. Do not fear those things which you are about to suffer. Listen to me. Those of you who think that God doesn't allow str struggle or test, 
He says, don't fear what you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. That you may be tested, not tempted, but tested, and you will have tribulation for 10 days. But be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Last verse. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Today I want to speak to you from a subject. It's going to be worth it. Can you just look at your neighbor on the right? How about the neighbor you like? And say, it's going to be worth it. Now look at the neighbor you tolerate and say, it's going to be worth it. Father, bless this word. Speak to us, change us, and transform us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Well, again, I, I, just to set this back up in case you missed last week, you, you need to understand these, there are seven churches in the book of Revelations that started the uh, layout of what God expected and planned and how he planned to build his kingdom. He used seven churches in seven different locations. He had seven pastors and or messengers. The book of Revelations chapter 2 verse 1 2 starts talking about how Jesus is in his church and he sees and walks through. We talked about that last week. And he holds two, he holds stars in his hand. And and the stars represent messengers. That's who the letters were sent to. And in those days, like today, it would have been a messenger, and the Greek means a pastor. Uh, uh, but it also meant angels. It's, the scripture says angel, but an angel, a messenger, a pastor. So what does a, a, a pastor do? He gives a message. But listen to me. We're all pastors. We're all messengers of the gospel. And we must not be afraid to tell the truth. Jesus gives this letter to John. Everybody say John. John is an, uh, uh, an apostle, but he's a mighty man of God. He's been uh, exiled. They've tried to kill him multiple times. At one point, they even threw him in a boiling pot of oil. They couldn't kill this man. And they put him on an island called Isle of Patmos. They secluded him away from people. They didn't want him to influence. That's kind of like the devil. Anytime he wants to cause and keep you from fulfilling your purpose and destiny, he will always separate you from the church. He will always separate you from people that you can influence. But how many knows no weapon formed will prosper? We are a people that will not be denied. And I want you to understand in this day and hour, you're watching online, no matter where you're at, I know our world is in chaos, but I still want to declare from this pulpit, Jesus is still the way, he's still the truth, and he's still the life. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's our cornerstone. We won't build on programs, we won't build on uh, looking good, and acting good, and singing good, but we will build on Jesus Christ, and nothing less, nothing more. He is our source. Somebody give him praise, and give him glory in this house. So he's writing to the second church. Everybody say Smyrna. Smyrna was a city. It was also known as Izmir. Okay, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But first of all, let me take a poll. How many, how many runners do I have in the house? Don't be ashamed. You're a runner. All right, just a few of you. I know I wouldn't have many. How many non-runners do I have in that? There you go. Okay. 
<laughs> All right, so when I first moved here, Brooke and I, we, we, we was working, we worked out, and we worked out quite a bit. We still work out pretty much five, six days a week now just because we don't want to get fat. But we got to stay healthy, and I got, I got to keep the, Brooke don't have that problem, but I got to keep the blood flowing. And uh, so we work out, we run, and uh, that's about the only way I can lose weight. I got to sweat. But uh, when I first moved here, she said, hey, we're going to run a 5K. I said, a 5K? 5K donuts? What are we going to do? 5K of cookies? And she said, no, 5K is three and a half miles, I think is what it is. And uh, uh, she said, we're going to run on, and, and we're going to do this in, in Marymount. So we did that. And, and uh, I thought I was prepared. I usually run about a mile to a mile and a half, sometimes two miles. And I pace myself. So for those of you who like running, forget you. I can take as long as I want to on my mile and a half. Come on. And, and so, so we was running, and about the mile marker, there was this guy. I remember we saw him coming around the corner, and we're just running along, and he's got this, this sign up that says, Congratulations, you've made it to the first mile. And I'm thinking, Whew, this ain't that bad. I got this. Brooks right here. My feet are still moving. I'm still going. So we get, I grab me some water. I feel like I'm running a marathon. I'm throwing water on my face. I mean, I'm looking good. And, 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 and by the time we, we see this guy a, few, a little bit later, and there he's got this sign, congratulations, you've passed the second mile. And I'm thinking, wow, I still got this. I, I still got some energy. My legs are still moving. Everything's going good. So I keep running. Here it comes. We're, we're about to come over the horizon. And I'm thinking, this thing's got to be over pretty quickly. So I'm like, I'm fine. I'm going to make it. And I get there. And, and, and then there's another sign that says, congratulations, not you're finished. Congratulations, you've entered mile three. And I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm going I'm to pass out. Because now I know I have another half mile to go. And I'm thinking, my, I ain't no way I'm going to make it. And Brooke is over there looking at me. Smiling, ain't this fun, honey? And I'm thinking, no, woman, this is stupid. We should have quit a mile and a half ago. <laughs> but anytime those who run, who long distance run, and by no means is a 5K a long distance run, but those who run know that uh, like a, uh, a marathon would be like 26 miles. For any runner, there's usually a wall that they hit, and they say it's around 20 miles or so. And God bless you that you can run that long. We appreciate all that you do. And... Uh, your significance and your endurance. But, uh, but, but there's, no matter how good you are, this is my point, everybody has a wall. Everybody has limitations. We can all face struggles, trials, and tribulations. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 13, it says, but the one who endures till the end will be saved. What that tells me is it's not to the swift, it's not to the fastest nor the strongest when it comes to our walk with Christ, he's not looking to see who's going to be the fastest and who's going to count and, and check off the box of, of the most church attendance or who served the most. What he's going to look for is men and women who finish their race. And so if there's one thing we can learn about this church named Smyrna is that they were a church who was pushing to finish their race. And let me give you a little background about this city, Smyrna. First of all, First of all, Smyrna is where we get the word myrrh. Y'all remember myrrh, right? Myrrh was one of the, uh, his frankincense and myrrh. myrrh. Myrrh was one of the things that was brought by the priest when Jesus was born and given as a gift. But uh, in its, its detail, it's a fragrant gum resin 
that's turned into oil and used as some type of perfume most of the time. And it comes out of a sapwood tree, which is where sapwoods would grow very uh, uh, in abundance, if you will, in this city called Smyrna. Smyrna had lots of wealth, one, because they sold myrrh nationally, but also because they were uh, found uh, there on the coast. Their their position was perfect for port, uh, being a good place of porting and for for, uh, how you say, uh, ships to come in and do sail and trade. And anytime there's sail and trade, of course, there's always money. So Smyrna was a very wealthy city, the, the, the city itself. Over 100,000 people in the first century were told, according to history, that were living in this city. And Rome was somewhat of a catalyst for this city. If you, do, if you study it out, you'll see that it was the Roman Empire and the leader, Caesar, who would come in after a great earthquake years later and destroy this city. In that destruction, the city was considered dead. Everybody say dead. And, 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 and through the help of Roman uh, help, Roman guidance and direction and finance, that city was resurrected and came back to life. And so in our passage where Jesus is saying in verse 8, he who was dead came back and who came back to life, I believe that Jesus was trying to paint them a picture in the letter Listen, I'm a guy who has experienced what you've experienced. I've been dead, but I've come back to life. He was relating to them where they were. He talked to them about trials and tribulations. He talked to them about persecution and standing for their faith. Jesus was saying, I can relate to you. The very people who persecuted me is persecuting you. See, it was the Roman Empire. It was Caesar himself who sent out a rule on the land of Smyrna who would say, if you don't serve me, if you don't look to me as your God and bow before me and worship me, if you stand to be a Christian, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be whipped. You're going to be beaten. We will keep you in the back of the line. And when we pay you, if we pay you, you will be paid less than a slave's uh, 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 price for the work that you will perform. All because you choose to say, I'm a Christian. So what I want you to know is that this church, these people were a persecuted people. They were struggling people. But they were faithful people. What I love about Jesus, and this will be my first point is that Jesus will meet us, he will meet you right where you are. Just as he related to this church in his letter, I want you to understand he can and he will relate to you. It was as if Jesus was identifying himself from the very beginning. He says, I'm Alpha, I'm the Omega. I'm the beginning, I'm the end. But listen, I'm the one who was dead and I'm the one who's come back alive again. And I know you've been dead, Smyrna. I know you've, the church, I'm talking to you about the church. He said, I know you've went through some death experiences, but I need you to know there's coming a resurrection in you like you've never seen before. Matter of fact, part of verse eight, he says, your death is where you're going to get your victory. And that's true for us today. The greatest place where we find victory is whenever we can walk in death. Somebody said, that doesn't make sense. 
Well, the Bible says, first of all, I believe it was John who said, For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, not I, but Christ who lives within me. It was John who also said, I must decrease and he must increase. If someone told you that it's all about your best life now, listen to me, they lied to you. It's not about your best life. Jesus actually said, if you want to follow me, hear me. He said, take up your cross. Last I checked, carrying a cross didn't represent anything to do with self. He told his disciples, he told the church, he said, take up your cross and you follow not denomination. You don't follow people. You don't follow men. You don't follow a Caesar. You follow me. And that's still what he declares and requires of the church today. If you want to live, listen, you got to die. I'm not talking about a physical death. I'm talking about a spiritual death, a death to self. A death, a death to your, your desires, your dreams, your ambitions. Most importantly, you say, for God I'll live and for God I die. He's first. He's the, he reigns supreme. And it was this city of politicians. It was this city of rule that was so emblematic, diplomatic, and political. Rome really took influence over Smyrna. And they pressured, they pushed these people in the back of a corner, especially those who were Christians. It kind of seems like a little bit to what's happening today. Where many of our faiths, many of our beliefs are being stolen. Jesus is touched. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and 15 that Jesus, he says it like this, he is the high priest of our un and understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do. You see that? He will meet you right where you are because he's been where you are. Latter part of that verse says, so let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. Don't you ever quit coming to his throne. Don't you ever feel like your, your issue or your circumstance or your trial is less than. No, no, no. It's an opportunity for his glory to be more than enough and to show up and fight your battles. It is his, uh, I believe, his... Uh, uh, greatest glory to bring you through trial and tribulation. And when you come out of the fire, people look at you and say, look what the Lord hath done. <laughs> I believe that our, our trial and our tribulation is simply opportunity. Some of you don't realize it, but it is your pain that's going to take you to your greatest victory. And this church, Smyrna, they were walking it out. They weren't quitting Many of them would lose their life. They would lose, the, the, a wife would watch her husband die and his life be taken because he would not bow before Caesar. Reminded me of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were thrown in a fire because they chose not to bow a knee to a man. Listen to me, church. Just like Jesus sent this letter to this church in Smyrna, I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking a word to us to say, you're going to be persecuted. Your faith is going to be tested. And the question is, will you stay? If, when they come, if they come, and they knock on the door, and they want you to bow, they want you to take a chip, it's going to happen. The question is, will you stand for truth? Will you bow to Caesar, or will you stand for Christ? 
See, it's getting real. We ain't never seen the things really that, that we're seeing today. I saw a guy on Facebook the other day, uh, 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 like multiple people, being arrested because they were standing outside without a mask on singing songs to Jesus. Arrested. Saw another woman tased and then arrested because she didn't have a mask on at an outdoor football facility. What I'm telling you is Caesar's coming after you. Can I ask you a question? Is your faith strong enough to stand even if you got to go through some persecution? I'm not talking about fighting with these. I'm talking about fighting here. Jesus said, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. Now, that's either true or false. But Jesus said it. It was Peter who pulled out a sword and cut off a soldier's ear because he was coming after and he was putting his hands on his Savior and his Lord. Listen to me. God don't need us to fight physically. He needs us, he needs us to stand spiritually as sons and daughters and say, as for me and my house, you do what you want to do, but I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to speak truth. And if I want to, I'm going to pray in tongues. That's my prayer language. It might get people uncomfortable. Let me tell you something. The devil's come to make you uncomfortable. Why don't you make him uncomfortable? If there's power and if there's a source that you can tap into, why wouldn't you want that source? You're going to need that source. You're going to need to be plugged in because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It's not your money. It's not your fame. It's not your fortune. But it's going to be the power of God that dwells inside of you. Jesus said, the same power that raised me from the death, I give it to you. Somebody give him glory that you've got the power to overcome. Through the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. He'll meet you where you are. He won't come halfway. He'll come all the way. Whew. I'm glad I serve a Jesus who looks past my faults and, and says, I see your need. I know you can't make it on your own, but if you'll keep coming, if you'll stride, if you'll take one step, I'll take two steps. I love Jesus because when everybody else pushed me aside, his grace and his mercy came running to me. When everybody else said he's worth nothing, he can do nothing, he can't sing, he can't read, he can't, he, my Lord, I was on a second grade education in 10th grade while I was in English. I'm, a, I'm kind of ashamed to say that, but listen to me. Now what I, I know what a verb is, I know what an adverb is, I, come on, I, I know a little bit, but but I, what I don't know, God's grace makes up the difference. What you don't know, God's grace will make up the difference. You say, Pastor Darren, I don't think I can do it. Listen, all you got to do is try. All you got to do is show up. All you got to do is stand. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Like Smyrna, we must be a church that will stand for righteousness. We don't compromise. Don't you allow the enemy to make you run to a cave, hiding what you believe. Don't you? I believe, I, prof, I prophesy right now, these seats, this house is going to be over flooded with men and women who are looking for truth and righteousness and holiness. They're looking for something to give them substance that will last in the storm. Amen? Jesus will meet you right where you are. Number two, write this down. Jesus said in verse 9, I know your tribulations and your poverty. This is my point. God uses pain to build our faith. God uses pain. Write it down. 
God uses pain to build our faith. It didn't make sense that Jesus would say, I know your tribulation and I know your poverty. Oh, and by the way, you're rich. It didn't make sense in the natural. It's necessary that in many cases the world uses pain, or excuse me, it's interesting that in many cases the world uses pain to reveal weakness. But God chooses to use afflictions as our greatest strength. Let me paint a picture for you. This church knew pain and suffering, and we can only imagine what they had to face. History tells us that many were hung upside down and sawed. That's a saw. They, they sawed them in two. They took Peter. They were going to crucify him like Jesus on the cross, and he loved Jesus so much. He said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Savior. He said, hang me upside down if you're going to put me on a cross. That's what Peter's faith said. And they crucified him upside down on a cross. John the Baptist was beheaded, head off, for what he believed in. He was the one who went before Christ, his cousin, and he made a way. He made the crooked places straight. He made the high places low, low places high. He prepared a way for the Lord, Jesus. Jesus hadn't come yet. It was John the Baptist who was preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he was crazy. He looked funny. He ate locusts and honey, and he wore a loincloth. I mean, he was jacked up, but he was a stud for Jesus. <laughs> but he, he, he believed so much in, what, in his message, he was willing to die for it. Here's a question for you. Are you willing to die for what you believe? Hmm. We all should ask our, ourselves that question. God uses pain to build our faith. Psalms 34 19 says this, Many are the afflictions, many are the afflictions, many are the afflictions of the ungodly. What's it say? Of the righteous. It's talking about us. But, here's the good news, the Lord delivers him out of them all. See, he don't leave you there. It's going to be worth it. Come on, somebody say it's going to be worth it. Jesus said this in John 19 and 33. These things I have spoken to you that in, my, that in me you may have peace. See, it's in him. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 2 Timothy 3 and 12 says this. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, watch, will suffer persecution. What has your faith cost you today? As you're sitting in your pew in this air-conditioned building with lights and electricity, and you got a nice car sitting out in the parking lot, what has your faith, I'm talking to myself too, I've wept bitterly over this message because I've had to review, look at my heart, look at where I stand in my faith. Some of us can't even share Jesus in the grocery store or on the plane or in an elevator and tell somebody, hey, Jesus loves you. Hey, can I pray for you? Some of us are so ashamed of what we believe in. How in the world are we going to stand when they come knocking on our door and say, you either take the chip, you either bow to Caesar or you're dead. Church, listen to me. I'm telling you, the Lord's looking for men who will stand up and build like men. 
He's looking for women who will stand up and lead like moms, godly mothers, godly householders and builders that you are. He's looking for boys and girls, sons and daughters who will not be ridiculed or convinced to be swayed to the left or the right, but stand firm on Christ the cornerstone. Somebody shout amen. Matthew 16, 24 says this. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me. Look at that choice. If anyone desires to come after me. You've got to come after him. He, he's, he's here. He's ready for you. He's willing. And he's able to use you right where you are. But you have to choose to follow him. He said, come after me. Let him deny himself. And I quoted this a while ago. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Statistics say, listen to these statistics. Statistics say that over 90,000 Christians a year are martyred or killed for their faith. What that means is that there's over 7,500 Christians killed a month. That's over 248 people dying nationally, nationwide. Listen, not because of a pandemic. Not because of a tragic accident. But almost 250 people die a day for their faith. And what Jesus was saying to this church is, it's going to be worth it. I see your tribulation. I see the persecution. Listen, there's a test and there's a trial. You're, going, you're about to be thrown into prison for 10 days. Somebody says, yeah, but if he knows something bad's going to happen... Why wouldn't he stop it? Let me ask you this. Why would he stop it? He never promised. He never promised that we wasn't going to go through trial and troubles, tribulations. It is the trying of our faith that worketh patience. Patience worketh experience. And experience works a hope. A hope in who? In yourself? No. A hope in him. I'm telling you right now, you can have 55 million churches on every corner. If we don't realize and know in whom we have believed, if Jesus is not our rooted and grounded foundation, we will crumble when the test of life comes. But if we will stay sure and grounded on the rock of our salvation, and Jesus is our head cornerstone, we will prevail. For the gates of hell shall not prevail against that church that stands in the midst of trial and tribulation. Give him glory. Give him honor and give him praise. Come on. You're going to be tested. You're going to be tried. But you don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. That's not a fear message. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm preparing you. I'm telling you right now when it's easy, you need to be on your, on your face in the presence of God. You need to learn how to worship him right now in spirit and in truth. You need to get to a place that you don't worship him when you come in this building, but you enter his gates with thanksgiving. You come up in his courts with praise. Somebody said, Pastor, you sure are a little bit extravagant. I'm extravagant because he saved me from hell, and I'm on my way to heaven. I'm not ashamed of it. I love Jesus, and he loves you. Somebody give him glory. He's amazing. He saved me. He's forgiven me. 
I was lost and I was undone. I was broken. But listen to me. I've gone through trials. I've faced tests. I know what it's like to walk through the fire. And you know what I say? I say, if it gets me to Jesus, give me all the hell you got. If it gets me to Jesus and more of his power, more of his revelation, bring on the trial and the tribulation. I will not walk away from his presence. Notice what I said. I didn't say I wouldn't mess up. I said, I will not walk away from his presence. And he found a church out of seven churches. There was only two churches, and Smyrna's one of them, that he didn't find something wrong with. Smyrna's worth talking about. Listen, they may not have had all the, the archives. They may not have had the biggest houses. They may not have had the biggest monies and the biggest offerings taken up, but I'll tell you one thing they did have. They were giants in the spirit. They had a faith. They had a vigor. Their backbone was strong. And when Caesar would come knocking, they would say, take my life now. For me to die is gain. That's the kind of life I want you to know God's called you to live. The moment that you lose fear of death, listen, is the moment Satan has no more power to control you with fear. I'm going to say that again. The moment you lose fear of death is the moment Satan has no more power to control you with the spirit of fear. Okay? Because once you, once you got that settled, what's there to worry about? The next thing you got to do is teach it to your children. Teach it to your husband. Put them on the altar. How many has ever dedicated your children when they was babes? Yeah. Hey, we're a church of dedication. If, you've had baby, if you have had a baby recently since we started and you haven't rededicated, that means to give back to the Lord what was already his. You need to dedicate that child. What you're saying is, Lord, I put them on the altar. You gave them to me, you can have them back. You don't, you don't get mad. You don't get angry. Because that child got sick. Some of you lost loved ones. It's amazing to me how people get mad at God because someone dies. Listen to me. The Bible says to be absent from the body, here's a promise, is to be present with the Lord. Why would you get mad at God that he took our, your family member to be with him? Because he took him from me. Sounds a little selfish to me. I didn't say it's easy. I'm saying we've all been born to, to die. What greater way to live your life than to die for Christ? And sometimes we have to go through sickness. We live in a fallen world. That's what sin does. God don't do those things. But he will allow testing to our faith. And I'm just here to tell you, when the test comes, will your faith stand? There was a young man by the name of Polycarp who was considered the pastor of this church. I'm moving quickly. Polycarp was a mighty young man. Matter of fact, many believe that John raised him up as the, and discipled him. And eventually it was Polycarp who took over as the messenger or the pastor of this church called Smyrna. It was Polycarp who was confronted by Caesar. He, Caesar hunted him down as the pastor of Smyrna. And he said, if I can get Polycarp to bow the knee to me, then this church Smyrna, this Christian church that has stood for righteousness... And all these Christians that, that won't bow to me, I believe he will influence them 
if he will bow. So he makes it an, an, an objective to find Polycarp. He brings him to the arena, the amphitheater, in front of thousands of Romans and Smyrna people. And he tells him, you bow to me right now. Well, I'm going to take your life. And it was Polycarp who said these words. For 86 years I have served Jesus, and he has never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior now? At that moment, they took Polycarp. They nailed him to a stake. And they lit his body on fire. And he burned. History tells us he didn't scream out. But there was like a glow, that, like a bubble that that fire made around him. And he almost looked like a pot of gold. And the writers say he wouldn't die. <laughs> so Caesar ordered a dagger to be stabbed into his heart. What I'm saying is Satan don't have the power to take your life. If you choose to give your life. Polycarp chose to give his life. And as a result, the Smyrna church began to explode even more. We need leaders that will stand. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21 says this, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Romans 8, 18 says it like this, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Here's my last thought. Verse, verse 10 says, Jesus says this to the church as he's promised them trial and tribulation. He's told them you're about to be tested. And in verse 10 it says, do not fear any of those things which are, you're about to suffer. I want you to look at that word fear. Don't fear. He said, don't, don't you worry. Don't let it overwhelm you when a pandemic hits your nation. Don't be fearful when they say they're going to take this and they're going to take that. Don't fear what man can do more than you fear the God who gave you everything you have. Number three, write this down. In Christ, you can be at your best when the world is at its worst. In Christ, you can be at your best when the world is at its worst. Here's something I want you to learn. I think we all can learn from the Smyrna church. Two challenges. First of all, learn how to drown your fear out with faith. Drown your fear out with faith. Number two, no death is an upgrade. I said it's an upgrade. It's not a downgrade, it's an upgrade. You win. Somebody say, I'm a winner. I'm not a sinner, I'm a winner. Yeah. What I mean by this is what, that you only start living when you die. For the Christian, death is not the end, it's only the beginning. The world will not understand us as Christians, and listen, they're not supposed to. We're a son of a king of kings and the Lord of lords that's not of this world. We're not a son of Caesar, we're a son of Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. -S. Jesus said in verse 10, don't fear. 
about the suffering you're going to face. The worst is coming, but I'm here and I will be with you. That's what I want you to know today. The worst is coming. It's not going to get any better, but Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's going to protect you. He's going to keep you. It won't last. It's come to pass. It's going to be worth it. The pressure you're about to go through is just for a moment. James chapter 1, verse 2. In the Passion Version, I love the way it says it. It says, my fellow believers, he's talking to the church, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but afflictions, see it as an, av an available, an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows, even, grow, even stronger, it will release perfection in every part of your being until there, listen, there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. That is powerful. And it all comes through the trying of your faith. I would love to stand up in here and tell you that you're not going to have to face anything, but I can't tell you that, sir. I'm preaching you to, to, to you today because I love you so much to prepare you for what you're going to face. But I'm also come here with good news to tell you you don't have to worry and you don't have to fear. When the world is in fear, your faith in Jesus causes you to grow and others to be influenced when you stay faithful. What I'm calling for is sons and daughters, men and women, boys and girls, to stay faithful to the call. Stay faithful to His Word. Stay faithful to this house. You're online right now. I'm encouraging you. Stay faithful to the cause of Christ. Don't shun the cross. Carry the cross. Difficulty is an opportunity for you to be a witness to others declaring God's amazing grace. In verse 10, Jesus said, be faithful unto death. And I will give you a crown of life. He was telling the church of Smyrna, he said, there's going to be a crown that's going to be given to you. And he knew they could relate to this because in those days, it was only the prestigious, it was only the great athlete, the one who would have accomplished something and they would get this great award. And it wasn't necessarily the crown that was usually made out of some type of vine. It, 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 was, it was going to deteriorate. But it, it was just the fact that it was like a gold medal from the Olympics. It, it would be like a purple heart from the president. It, it was a prestigious award. And, and Jesus knew, listen, there's going to be a crown that's going to be given. And he talks to us about this crown in the book of Revelations chapter 4. But before I tell you that about these crowns that Scripture teaches so clearly that will be given. Before we get a crown, if you make it to heaven, you will go to this one judgment called the judgment seat of Christ. Listen to me right now. Nobody moving. You're watching online. One day you're going to stand before God. When your last breath is taken on this earth, you will stand before God. And you'll stand before a judgment seat of Christ, which is where only Christians will come. Only people who chose Christ on this earth will stand at this judgment. Or you will, be, you will stand at the judgment called the great white throne judgment, which is those who will be cast into utter darkness or what we know as hell. But as sons and daughters, if you'll accept Christ, if you'll walk with him while you're on this earth and you'll let your faith 
draw you to Him and you accept Him as Lord and Savior, you'll stand at this judgment seat. And it's not going to be a place of pain, ridicule, or shame. It's going to be a place of reward. And the scripture tells us in Revelation chapter 4, the 24 elders, it represents the church, they fall down before him, Jesus, who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by you, your will, they exist and were created. And with that, I want to paint you a picture of how many crowns you can receive on this earth. Somebody says, well, it doesn't, we're not saved by works. We're not saved by works, but faith without works is dead. And it is our works that does get us rewards. We don't do it for a reward, but I want you to know God's keeping a tally. He keeps a list. Here's some crowns that you'll be given as you stand at that great, at that, that right, the, the judgment seat of Christ. You will be rewarded according to James chapter 1 and 12. There's a crown called a crown of life. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. First Peter talks about a crown of glory. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. 2 Timothy 4 and 8 says the crown of righteousness. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. There's a crown of joy. 1 Thessalonians 2.19 For what is our hope? For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? And 1 Corinthians 9.25 talks about a crown that lasts forever. Everyone who completes, competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. He's talking about on earth. Smyrna, they knew all about the perishable crown. But he says, but we for an imperishable crown. There's going to come a day, he said, I'm going to give you an imperishable crown. Here's the best part. When you stand before God, young person, I don't care if it's one crown or 50 crowns. What you do on this earth, you're going to be judged for and rewarded for. Here's my question. Will you have a crown to do the next step? Because the Bible says we're going to take our crowns and we're going to throw them at his feet. I want to be standing there with a whole bunch of crowns so that I have a whole lot of crowns to give him because he's worthy. I don't do it for the reward, but the reward sure is sweet if I can give it to the one I love the most. In 2014, when Ashley passed away of cancer, many of you know my first wife, she passed away of cancer, and I've talked to you about this, but I, I, I want to make something real clear. When the doctor gave her her papers that said she had breast, breast cancer, stage four inflammatory breast cancer, fear attacked us, just like Caesar knocking on the door, saying, it's time, it's time to bow. Who are you going to worship? Fear said, I want you to bow. But we decided 
at the entrance of that test, we're not going to let fear control us. And it was her faith that said, you know what, Darren? If I live, I win. And if I die, I win. And I remember the prayers and the tears that we shed right there when we declared and decided for God will live and, and for God will die. All I'm telling you is you don't have to fear what man can do to you. You don't have to fear if you've been given a bad report. His righteousness, his holiness, his faithfulness is sure, it's rooted, and it's grounded. There comes a time in our life when we have to make a stand. We have to decide, you know what? My trust is not in people. It's not in a doctor. It's not in an individual or a circumstance. But it's in Jesus. There's an old song they used to sing. It talked about our trust being put in something bigger than us. Turn this mic up a little bit. The songwriter would say, I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There's been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation. That my trials would come to only make me strong. See, I've been lots of places. I've even seen lots of faces. There's been times that I've felt so all alone. But in my lonely hours, yes, those precious lonely hours, Jesus let me know I was his own. I stand today and I say, through it all, through in Jesus see I've learned to trust in God church through it all I know through it all I've learned to depend upon his word now listen to me I thank God for Listen to me. For if I never, if I never had one problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. No, see, I never know what faith in God can do. Yeah, all through it all. 
blessing God. Come on, if that's you this morning, I dare you to say, through it all, through trouble and trial, yeah. Oh, Lord, I've learned to depend upon his word. Now listen to me. You're standing in this sanctuary. You're watching online. Here's the choice and decision you have to make. Will you stand? Will you choose to trust and depend on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He's been here since the beginning, and he'll be here through the end. My question is, will you? Will I see you in heaven? You're under the sound of my voice, every head bowed and every eye closed. You're, you're watching there online, and you say, Pastor Darren, I don't know if I'm ready. If my faith is really tested and my life is really on the line, I'm really not sure that I would, that I would choose where I need to be and what I need to do in the right way. But today, I'm going to make a declaration. If that's you, I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Say, come into my heart and be Lord of my life. I believe you died on a cross, and I believe you rose again. From this day forward, I give you me. Now use me for your glory. <laughs> oh, come on, I promise you, if you'll declare this, declare this right now over your, your life. Say, I choose to die for Christ. In him I live, I move and have my being in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. If you're watching online right now, we want to encourage you. We love you. We're praying for you. And we believe God's best is coming for you. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. I trust and believe that God's word has strengthened your faith. Why don't you visit me at darrenfarmer.com and let's do life together on all social media platforms. And as always, your prayers and your financial giving is always welcome. God bless you.